Welcome to a new episode of Parole. I am your host, Alexandra Yamoyaboyi. On this episode, my guest is Iris Ilumba. While it's always tricky to introduce ourselves, Iris is reluctant in introducing herself, focusing on her job title. But for the sake of this episode, I'll have to do so. Mrs. Irumba is currently the Regional Managing Director in charge of the East African Division of ITM, a Pan-African human resources firm operating in seven countries. So you have one in Rwanda, Tanzania, Angola, Kenya, South Africa, even Germany. I asked the obvious question in HR, why human resources? And the one for the diaspora, which citizenship shall I use when hunting for a job? As a young woman herself, Iris makes a point in mentoring young people as she foresees a bright future for the youth of Africa. If you're a person looking for a job or information, don't hesitate to get in touch with ITM. Today's episode has been sponsored by 257 Arts. 257 Arts is the first art gallery in Burundi, founded by Samantha Narukondo. Its mission is to represent artists evolving in Burundi by assisting them in production, showcasing, and commercialization of their artistic works and careers, while also providing community outreach through its various artistic programs, events, and artistic activities. Follow 257 Arts on Instagram. You can follow Parole on Instagram as well, at Parole Podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to a new episode of Parole, and... uh... Today's episode is with Madame Iris Ilumba. Let's just say that we have boss ladies on this uh, this podcast because we're not joking. We're not joking. We bring the best. We bring the best of uh, East Africa. And uh, yeah, I'll just stop there and let you introduce yourself the way I think humble women of East African do. Or maybe <laughs> as, a, as a manager, you know how to introduce yourself. So <laughs> leave it to you. I'll make it um, informal, you know, so we can get to be a little <laughs> bit closer. My name is Iris Simrovaj, mentioned. Uh, I'm a lot of things, uh, and I do not like to define myself through my career. So um, I've learned to define myself a little bit differently. So yeah, I am um, um, a human being. <laughs> there you go. Let's just start there. Uh, um, uh, yeah. Um, a woman uh, born and raised in East Africa, uh, a mother of two, um, passionate about youth empowerment, women empowerment, and currently uh, working for an initial firm based uh, in eight countries and just running the East Africa division. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's just start with the background a little bit. Um... What was your life when you were younger? What made you take the path of HR? Because, you know, it's an unusual path, but everybody, someone has to do it. So why you? Um, It was, how can I say? Let me go back to how it started. Uh, When I finished uh, school, I wanted to um, grow abroad to study. But then um, I had, you know, a gap. Uh, that I had to fill in. So I went for an internship and uh, started working for uh, this telecom company. And um, the only available spot was in human resources. So it wasn't like I chose to be in the HR. <laughs> Funny enough. Yeah. Uh, so first encounter, uh, just destiny. That's how I would call it. Mm-hmm. And 
uh, fall in love with it actually. Um, my boss at the time was a super amazing woman uh, who actually took me under her wings and uh, put everything she had uh, in me. I wanted to learn every, everything I could as fast as I could. Uh, I thought my time was limited. So I, you know, initially thinking it's going to take a few months and then I leave. So I wanted to get the best out of it. Um, so I started to, you know, realize that there is more to human resources. Uh, at that time, it was purely administrative work and we we're just um, moving slowly from uh, purely traditional HR to now mm -hmm. being focused around uh, careers, uh, trainings, etc. So that's how it all started. And I never looked back. I Come stayed on. and just kept going. All right. So sell us the HR department then for someone who is, who's been an employee. Uh, it's always tricky to, to be thankful, but somebody has to be thankful because we have the checks. It's always this department where everybody's complaining but nobody really understand what's happening there. You said that there are so many layers in the HR department without being, let's just say, technical. What did you see there that really attracted you, that spoke to you, other than having a mentor, for for example, that really led you to, to understand deeper what you're doing? So basically what I was doing in that department that was different, uh, purely other uh, department had customers, you know, who come and buy airtime, come buy um, um, SIM cards, services, internet and stuff. Our clients in the HR department were the people, the staff. So that was right. different because um, when your staff is your client, you got to make sure that they're as, as satisfied mm -hmm. as your client would be because if they're satisfied, it will make even uh, the company grow. So that is the whole trick about being HR. It's about thinking about, you know, uh, that is a human capital. The more you invest in it, the more you foster it, the more you're able to actually strategically grow as a company. So that's something that I really loved, uh, seeing that, you know, uh, from spotting the right talent for the right um, job, that was amazing. You know, when you get um, a talent that is, you know, you've been sweating, trying to find the right match, and you finally get that, that was always a highlight. Nice. Uh, there's also... Um, success stories when you see someone who's coming who's joined the company um uh you know at a low uh with low skills if i may say but you manage to force them until you see them becoming more becoming heads of department mm. becoming uh, directors in other companies that that is really something wonderful so i would say that yeah that drew that, that drew the attention or it drew me closer because i was already i always knew i was a people person mm -hmm. so that was really definitely a highlight to be able to contribute and bring value to people in the company all right um i'll ask that question later uh so what did you do afterwards after the telecom company um i changed career i mean i changed companies uh, okay after that i joined um uh a un institution iom <laughs> And same, it was again, similar roles in human resources. Yeah. And later on, I uh, did uh, started my career with ITM. Same thing. Now, the difference was uh, the previous companies I had worked for, it was, uh, HR was a department, but it wasn't centered towards uh, just human resources. Okay. But now, here I was uh, studying um, 
a new role in a company that just does that human yeah. resources. That's the little bit the, the trick around it. That's amazing. So because it's always easy to, to complain about, I'm not going to focus on Burundi or Rwanda, but like the African region of East Africa. What do you see there that, um, because we have a youth, like a youth unemployment, uh, everything lacking, but at the same time, so many things to do. So there is an untapped potential there, markets. And what do you see there that it's like um, making you wake up every day and be like, we're going to succeed in this. We have a vision. I myself, I'm doing this as a manager of this. And at the same time, were you trying to teach the youth and yeah. Yeah, like empower them, just challenge them in believing that they can work um, in companies or, or, yeah. I like that you just talked about untapped uh, potential. And that's what I see lots of time when I see young people who are trying to make it and um, who don't necessarily believe that they already have what it takes to make it. You know, we think that making it is chasing something that's outside. Mm. You never look within, you know. So, what I try to do is help them look within. And I've came across many people who, who either I mentor or work with and who will come thank me and say, you know, you did amazing work because of your work, we're able to do this. And I always give them back the credit using the skills and potential we have whenever we're given an opportunity to turn it from something merely good to something excellent. So that is what I try to uh, look into. All of us are rightfully gifted. None of us mm. is uh, ungifted. So it's just a matter of time uh, before we all find out what, what we're gifted in. I do understand that, of course, in the region, um, because of lots of um, circumstances that we've gone through, there has been war, there has been um, lots of you know, economical situations that make young people feel like you know they're helpless. There's mm. nothing to do anyways. And I do understand that. Uh, things are tough. And anyways, the same way things are tough here, it's also tough on the other side. The grass is not greener on the other side like yeah. we like to say it is. So um, the question is all about always, how do we look within? What is it that we have? What talent do we have that we can use uh, to develop not just self, but the countries we live. So what is your greatest challenge then right now at the moment, having had the, the COVID, obviously, uh, the lockdowns, how did you deal with, you know, taking care of the clients, uh, naming the companies and, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. people who are looking for jobs, yeah. Yeah, so COVID hit, hit as all, as I can say. And um, one of the things we try to make sure um, is to, First of all, communicate uh, what is the company's strategy around it. And we shifted our uh, work from actually in person to online. Lots of things are now happening online, recruitment uh, through our platforms, training on our e-learning platforms. So uh, we were lucky enough that uh, when the pandemic hit, uh, ITM was already doing some sort of uh, work towards getting the technology as the center of all the activities that we do. So that was a little bit, um, it was it was about just adjusting mm-hmm. and we're able to do that. Um, of course, that said, uh, opportunities reduced definitely for people who are looking for jobs because every company is now shutting the, the budget to, um, you know, to monitor and also uh, make sure that all 
um, budgets are really used the right way. So, um, it, of course, we had we so many um, people laid off who would send us their CV so we can try to help them find mm -hmm. an opportunity. But we also saw some uh, industries that were booming because there was a high demand. Uh, okay. So it was more about just how do we match the two sides, uh, the industries that are in high demand and the people who are laid off. So it's still a process we're still going through currently of um, gathering lots of resumes. And this time uh, the crisis hit bad because not just uh, employees, uh, juniors were laid off. Sometimes managers were laid off because you know high budget, it's the highest cost that needs to be cut. So uh, it means we have now more than ever a higher, a more educated or qualified pool that's available for placement. Mm. Um, because this podcast is, for the moment, I guess, uh, being listened to a lot by the diaspora. Imagine I want to go back. Um, I've never been to Kigali, but it, I want to live in Kigali. I don't know the codes. I don't know. Um, you just say I know one or two person. Yeah. And I have a CV. And I want to work in bank, for example, in the banking industry. We're used to here, we're used to preparing the CVs and everything, the, the, the job interviews. What will be the, the advice you'll give me and the others? Uh, because we kind of have this, not us, all of us, but most of people tend to be like, I have these degrees, I know what's up, I speak the language, and I'm going to get a job in, you know, like two weeks maximum. Usually it doesn't happen like that. Uh, what will be the advice to just be humble first and then? Uh, that's a, that's a good one. And I, I speak a lot with people from diaspora and, mm. um, this is something that, you know, in every culture, when you go to the certain country, you have to adapt to the, you know, to the North, the culture, everything. It's the same. The working environment, um, in each country is different. And for anybody to just fit in, there has to be some readjustment. So it's yeah. more about, um, getting to know first what's the work environment like, what is the salary range of people with your same caliber, uh, what is the, um, the benefits that you know are given to that certain category, um, and how much uh, people, what's the unemployment rate, and uh, what kind of networking um, um, institution or um, clubs I can join to get to know myself, uh, to put myself out there, etc. Mm. So. It's a lot of research and research doesn't take two weeks, unfortunately, <laughs> especially if it's a work. You know. <laughs> it takes time. Yeah. Um, so I, I recommend most of the time to do some pre-work before coming and uh, to now to use all tools that are available to reach out uh, to companies such as ITM uh, mm -hmm. that do recruitment and placement to get in touch with recruiters so you, they can get to give you a hint of what's going on. Uh, we do provide uh, career coaching services, which are available not just for diaspora, but also for um, um, people who are here locally. So those can be as well something, um, you know, it can be an entry point. Uh, mm. the, the goal being do your research and uh, sometimes be ready to do some readjustment. Um, I see one big constraint being, you know, salary expectations. And uh, of course, the cost never differs. So when people come with salary expectation from the country of origin, 
uh, well, that has to be readjusted. So that's I that I find to be the biggest constraint that mm. uh, refrains diaspora to come in. So I would also say that you know beyond the salary, uh, there is more to it. There is, I, I know there are people who find fulfillment not in the salary they're getting paid, but in the work they're able to um, to put in mm. uh, the added value they're able to bring in, the impacts that they're able to bring in. So. If someone is mostly focused on the impact, salary generally follows because it's a matter of time before you start getting, uh, driving in, uh, sorry, you, you start growing in your career. Mm. Uh, so sometimes humble beginnings are not that bad. <laughs> Humility always. Uh, tricky question. I don't know if you have the answer for that one. Uh, if you have a double nationality, do you use the African? Are you supposed to use the African or can you use the European or the American one? Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha. That's a tricky one. <laughs> For the audience. That's a very one. Uh, you're like, nope, you're going to stand. It's almost like, um, if I have two children, do I prefer the first or the second? That's a tricky one. But again, <laughs> it depends on their circumstance. Uh, to some situation, you will take your firstborn and the other ones, you take your last one. It depends again. <laughs> more about the context why are you doing it if for instance um a position is saying we're looking for nationals there is no need to use a foreign i um, passport or something mm. id it doesn't work so we know the workspace is about opportunities and every opportunity needs to be pressed if it's an opportunity that would put you on the stand because you're working maybe for an NGO, they are working for, you know, they're looking for someone um, who has exposure, who's worked for uh, foreign um, companies, et cetera, providing both as well could be something. So I'm just saying you need to put it into context, mm. you know, because there isn't such a situation that is uh, uniform every yeah. time. So yeah, that's how I'll put it. <laughs> that's great. That's a really great answer. Uh, another one would be uh, the power of networking because um, I spoke with Norette at some point and she gave me this amazing answer, like the way that the fact that she got her job now through networking events in Kigali. What is there in Kigali or what is there in the region where you can say, okay, I'm in Zanzibar or I'm in Nairobi. Is networking really understood by... Um, let's just say by the youth or is it something that's still seen by like oh it's something that my parents used to do or it's not really for mm. me I don't know how to network I'm so shy and this and this and that mm -hmm. um networking is important uh you know <laughs> your network is your network so you gotta put in uh or grow your network somehow uh and there isn't all of us are work in progress. We have to learn how to network. And um, there is possibility for extroverts to, you know, become good networkers, but also introverts can become good networkers. They just need to know what they're good at. If you're an introvert, for instance, uh, you'd rather be excellent at writing at least. So, you know, when you meet someone <laughs> and uh, you're not necessarily have lots of things to tell them at least you can drop them an email or message mm. or whatever or you have at least to know to kind of work towards your first impression so that uh, it can set you a little bit uh, aside um, so it's it's all about um, understanding the value and the power of you getting into a networking um, 
body. So what I like about um, our region, for instance, in every country I know there are professional networks that one can uh, just connect with and start building their network. It's more about um, what do you, what kind of field are you interested in? Because for every field, there is actually a networking, yeah. uh, just club, association, whatever. So it's just about putting yourself out there and um, yeah, not just waiting to get something, but also give something because yeah. networking is two way street. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, we we're talking about the youth. I'm not assuming uh, you're young. So, and you're, um, the regional managing director, it seems like in, in Rwanda, in East Africa in general, people who are being recruited in, um, on executive roles right now are, are really young people, which is pretty awesome because I'm pretty sure I'm older than you, but I just say that. It seems like they're embracing the youth. And on one level, <laughs> yeah, I had to put, on one level, it's like, okay, youth are being lazy. They don't know what to do or there's not enough job opportunities. And on the other side, you get to see the youth being like raised and just changing the atmosphere. What is maybe not ITM because it's not the only one I'm thinking about. I think I read one or two people who are just like um, Volkswagen or something like that, who used to be uh, around this girl, really young. What is Rhonda doing in embracing this youth? And just because it gives a really good signal to us who are outside um, the East African region, just to say like, okay, I can embrace this job. I can aim higher. What do you see you on being on the ground and being like, okay, this is really happening. It was, it's great. Mm -hmm. um, I think Rwanda has understood the power of um, the youth. Mm -hmm. The East African um, region is actually majority made of young people. Yeah. So one way of securing the future of the next generation is to start empowering young people. There's no way conversation will happen without young people on board. Uh, so that's something to, I think that's to celebrate, but also to not take for granted because everybody who has a responsibility, young or old is expected to be responsible. Mm -hmm. So it's not like anyone as well is handed something. Yeah. Uh, it's not because you are young that you get an opportunity. Anybody I know who's uh, gotten any responsibility role has worked hard Absolutely. for it. Absolutely. So um, it's just a matter of um, embracing opportunities and understanding that it's not because you're young that you're incapable. Uh, young is not a hand, an handicap. Uh, you can be young and be excellent. You can be uh, old as well and, and be excellent. So if all of us can uh, thrive and shine, why not all shine together? So it's just uh, that Rwanda is doing uh, that great work and setting the example. And I'm seeing as well other countries in the region uh, starting to embrace that culture, not maybe at the same level, <laughs> but I think we're all going in the same direction. All right. And how about you personally? Because you said that you're passionate about uh, the youth empowerment and mentorship. What do you do on a personal level to just, yeah, walk the talk? All right. Yeah. So for me, it's more about uh, first um, giving back uh, to my own company by mentoring um, young professionals around me. But I also do have a mentorship program where I actually 
intentionally put in the work to uh, to coach, mentor, train uh, six of my beautiful mentees who makes me proud every single day. Uh, they're growing every day and I, I'm just glad to see them grow that way. And one of the one of the things uh, I had told myself was if I'm about to pick a mentor, a mentee, uh, sorry, I'm going to pick one that has potential to mentor others. So that was one yeah. of the first criteria. And um, it was hard to select, but that was something I was really looking for. I was looking for someone I would, you know, mentor because they have the potential to also grow others. All right. What was the process? What did you really like? Was it intentional saying like, I need six people? Uh, yeah, I started hoping I would, you know, uh, mix 12 in a year. Oh, come on. <laughs> okay. Have, like, like the 12 disciples of Jesus. Yeah. But nice. yeah, it didn't work nice. like that. <laughs> it came out harder than I expected. So uh, I took on the six and we're still stuck together as well. <laughs> All right. And what is the, the meaning for you um, of leadership? What do you say as leaders in the uh, in your work, and what is yeah? I guess what is the definition? What is your definition of leadership? Uh, leadership is broad. Uh, I think leadership is about leading self and leading others towards a certain towards a common goal. It's not about just uh, me, 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 but it's more about what are we? What can we, as a collective, achieve together? And being that light that tries to pull others. Uh, the best example I can give of, of leadership um, is one where um, you wake up every morning knowing you have to achieve something, but you also have enough room to say, if someone needs my help, I'm going to ship in and help them too. That's the type of leadership that sets apart one from being a manager. Because managers are just going to come in and be like, okay, I'm expecting this. I want mm. this. I so the goal is just like, I want to shine. So if things are not going the way I want, there's a problem. So leadership is more about if things are going wrong, what's missing? How do we do it together? It's not about blaming. It's about how mm. do we find a solution? To so that's why I'm saying, yeah. And it has, you have to, you know, to take a step back to be like, okay, where am I? But also where it's everybody else. It's about looking around you if you're still with people, but not just walking alone. Mm. Wow. All right. So I guess this one is tricky as well, because what is excellence then? Uh, I'm asking you this because it's, um, you know, the saying that says you can be who you, you've never seen or something like that. It's difficult to explain to the youth what excellence means, where it has been really difficult in our case to, to see leaders shining and doing things in excellence. How do you instill that in, in your youth, in your mentees, or in your company in general? Uh, that's a very interesting point. And it's funny <laughs> because uh, the, other day, <laughs> the other day I was talking uh, with someone who's very close to me, and we we're talking about um, if I demand perfection, more of a, a mindset, you know, a mindset of growth, a mindset that's not... Uh, static or a mindset that does not want to develop, but more of a growth mindset. That's how I'll call it. So it's more about picking small pieces and saying, okay, I know I did, um, I did good, but tomorrow I can do better. So that's what excellence means to me. All right. Uh, let me just finish with this then. What is a, 
fly mama what is this uh, blog about and because seeing a ceo having a blog it's always like oh okay so you're trying to demystify i guess the image of the the woman the mother and tell us more about that so fly african mama started a couple of years ago when i became a mother for the first time and i did not uh, have even anyone around me who with whom i could talk you know motherly conversation Uh, so I started to, I decided to be that kind of person who would talk about her experience, share it so that other moms uh, can learn from it, but also can, you know, we can have a support system. So that's how we all started. Um, I don't know if I can say that I'm almost retiring, but uh, <laughs> I just like to share a few pieces about how to, to be a mom, because I truly believe um, I'm every woman, I'm, you know, the lady, the mom, the boss, the everything. So if there is, there is more to me that is, that is not just work. And if I can share that with the world, I'm happy to do it, even if I don't necessarily have all the time in the world to do it <laughs> as I yeah. do back then when I had uh, less responsibilities. But yeah, um, what defines us is not work. And we need to be able to step aside that especially if we have a talent in, in something and we have a passion for it um, I know for a fact that I've always liked writing so becoming a blogger was one of the things that would bring me closer to writing and uh, talking about you know something that was new to me being a mom or something exciting so at that time I was happy to do so And now I'm starting to write more about careers because that's exactly the same thing that's uh, happening more in my life right now. Mm -hmm. So yeah, anyone who's listening and who's passionate about work but has another talent uh, should not let it go just because they have work or just because work defines them as a certain way. I know, of course, when I'm in a room with other CEOs or MDs, uh, that's not something that you would expect to see one who's a blogger or one who's a photographer one who's something else because mm -hmm. again uh, we are supposed to be boxed or mm -hmm. you know there is what is supposed to be an md a ceo or something so yeah, yeah if i'm able to um to be that and others feel like they can let go as well because they were inspired to do so why not i'm happy to do that but yeah that's the whole idea actually of fly african and i you know not in the box fly. <laughs> <laughs> definitely not in the box because i love the the stories uh i think a couple of days ago you, you posted something of a story how you get to almost got a job and you're running after another job and i was like oh, okay there you go stories are on point it's like it has a, a reason for being there Another, just like the last thing, because it's always funny. Um, how did your, be, you become a mother change the way you manage? As I have another podcast on sports and we discuss with people how when the moment you become a mother, your body changes, obviously. And then the way you think, the way you play really changes for you. Actually, you're the first person to ask this, mate. What the heck? Okay. Why not? <laughs> Yeah, why not? Um, did it change me? Yes, it did. Yeah. It, it, it did really change me, but more not on the way I view others because I've always viewed people with uh, respect and etc. Especially at work, if one came in and said, "Okay, uh, my my children, my my children are sick," or etc., I would be understanding. But it did more, much more work um, on me internally, on the person I am on things like learning to be patient because I've always been a person who wants 
things to be done fast and it has to be done now. And then I realized that me being uh, demanding a certain level of excellence and having to struggle with my impatience, uh, this little boy all of a sudden makes me calm down. And all of a sudden, yeah, I think I found some sort of balance. if I do have to compare the previous person I was and the person I am right now. And I think that doesn't end from the moment they step into your life because every day is a lesson with them. You just, nothing is ever constant. They're growing and that's one example of what growth really look like because what they like today is not what they like tomorrow. And you're like, hey, didn't you like this type of meal? No, today I don't like it. Mm. You adjust to that. So I think somehow um, managing a younger one makes me, even a better um, coach, mentor, manager to anyone else now because um, I'm finding a better balance within. Come on. All right. So, le mot de la fin, let's just say that. Uh, what would you like to say to the audience? Um, I'm going to be honest. Most of them are in the US, Canada, Burundi, and Rwanda. So, uh-huh. thank you. Speak to the diaspora and speak to the East African uh, region. I didn't prep one for that, but (laughs) (laughs) the first thing that comes to my mind is probably um, Jim Ron's um, thoughts or words. Uh, He once said, um, work harder on yourself than you work on the job. And that is something I've been taking along with me for the past years. Because I do understand that if I'm working better on myself, if I'm working more on myself, work is going to be better, family is going to be better, everything around me is going to be better. So lots of people uh, focus on one thing Mm -hmm. and they forget, or maybe they will focus on work, they're chasing something uh, day after day, chasing work, chasing work. And the more of that story is that uh, self-growth is really the only thing that can set you apart so mm. you have to be willing to work harder on yourself than you do on the job there you go so for those who are looking some jobs in what are the countries actually where itm is we have offices in rwanda tanzania nigeria south africa um germany um angola and starting in kenya so seven so enough to be moving soon in uh, in east africa thank you very much uh for the moment and i really hope that people who really hear you will understand that it's doable you can be young and you can uh, lead a company definitely and uh and you could be a woman as well so this is a good thing as well and just like the challenge of just looking for a job and not really understanding the codes of the countries like angola for example no i personally don't know what's happening over there other than it's a rich country but um yeah so you itm is there to help you out and iris for thank you very much for your time thank you so much for having me it's been a pleasure and i love uh, having this conversation thank you